So today we are going to take a look at TD Ameritrade. If you are a viewer of my YouTube channel, this video is going to be a bit different than normal. Funny story, I'm actually doing my master's degree in engineering. And this semester, I actually decided to take an elective course in finance. In this finance course, we were actually instructed to do a group project of doing pretty much a stock analysis on any company we wanted to. And due to the coronavirus and not having the ability to go to school and present this, we were actually instructed to actually present it in YouTube so our classmates and our teachers can actually view it. So this is pretty cool, right? Because this is something I kind of do on a daily basis. And I actually had a lot of fun in this class and just doing this presentation. So to my normal viewers, I'm sorry, this is a little bit different from what I normally do. To my teacher, I hope you don't mind that I actually ended up doing an episode out of this. And to my classmates, I hope you guys enjoy the presentation as well. Next, like I mentioned, this is a group presentation. I did have a partner. His name was Drew Patel. Me and Drew were actually split up the work 50-50. So I just want to thank Drew for, for all the work he put into this presentation. But at the end of the day, I kind of had all the equipment and the YouTube channel ready to go. So we thought it would be best for me to just go ahead and just do the presentation myself. But again, this does not take part that Drew did a lot of work for this project. So again, I just want to give another thanks to Drew. So first, let's start off with about the company. This company was based in Omaha, Nebraska, and it was founded in 1971. At this moment, TD provides investing and trading services for about 11 million clients, and they currently hold about more than 1 trillion of those clients' assets. TD Ameritrade is a public traded company right now, and the ticker symbol is AMTD. The company is operated by over 9,000 employees and has a total assets of over 51 billion, and later on, we're going to take a look at this company's balance sheet. So now let's take a look at this company's past acquisitions. We're only going to take a look at acquisitions that happened after 2000. There were a few that happened in the 1980s and the 1990s, but a huge a huge shift of this company happened after 2000. In 2001, this company acquired a company called Tradecast, which added many brokers and dealers, hedge funds, and money managed clients to the company. In the same year of 2001, the company acquired another another brokerage, National Discount Brokers, which added clients with assets of billions in the company. So just 2001, you can see this company was really transforming to become a top of the line brokers and it picked up two smaller brokers to just increase its client size and its total asset size. In 2006, Ameritrade acquired TD Waterhouse, which was owned by TD Bank. And after that point, this actually became known as TD Ameritrade mainly because of that TD Waterhouse and the TD Bank. TD Bank at that moment gained about 45% ownership of TD Ameritrade. And to this day, this company holds roughly about 40% of the company. And I think it's pretty cool because now TD Bank also guides its clients and customers towards TD Ameritrade. In 2009, this company acquired Thinkorswim, which is a software for active traders. I actually have used Thinkorswim before. I'm pretty sure some of you guys might have heard of it. I think this was actually one of their best acquisitions so far because it allowed them to actually differ themselves from, from other people. The amount of information that you can get using the Thinkorswim platform, especially for an active trader, I think is, is pretty amazing. And in 2017, this company acquired Scottrade. And again, I, I, just in these past acquisitions, 
you can see that these were all smart moves in 4TD Ameritrade. And we can see why this is one of the top leaders in the, in the trading firms and trading brokerage at the moment. So now there has been some most recent updates and acquisitions that I did not mention previously. And these were ones that happened just six months ago. And first, one of the most recent news was in October 2019, almost all broker institutions shifted to zero cost fee trading commission. As a small time investor, this was actually one of my favorite things to happen in the whole trading community. Um, but unfortunately for these types of institutions, it was kind of a weird thing because for especially for TD Ameritrade, a nice portion of revenue comes from, from trading commissions. So this all started in originally Robinhood, uh, just a quick history, originally Robinhood, which I think is about seven years old, was one of the first stock, big stock firms to actually allow zero cost free commissions. Uh, in October 2019, Charles, Charles Schwab actually followed that that same model about six years after after Robinhood. And because Charles was such a big company, it actually forced all the other institutions to do about to go and follow the same um, zero cost fee trading commissions. And then in December of 2019, Charles Schwab Corporations, this made a preposition to acquire TD Ameritrade. Right now they have, they are in an agreement and the both have agreed that TD, um, that Charles Schwab is going to acquire TD Ameritrade. Unfortunately, the deal has not closed yet, and TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab are still acting as two independent entities. The deal is expected to close in the second half of 2020. Um, so some effect of the news. So right now I'm talking about the, the zero commission fees. TD Ameritrade stock price roughly dropped about 30% in a matter of few days. So that's actually right here. This green arrow right here. This was October 3rd, the moment TD Ameritrade decided to also follow suit and go with zero commission. Out of all the brokerage firms, Ameritrade was one of was the one to take the most significant drop. And there was an actual reason for this, and it's because TD Ameritrade collects most of its revenue compared to the other to the other institutions, collects more revenue from trading than the other institutions. Roughly 28% of the total revenue comes from trading fees for TD Ameritrade. After the announcement, TD Ameritrade's chief financial officer, Steve Boyle, said that its zero-fee structure would have a 15-16% to 16 impact on quarterly net revenue. Imagine, that's close to one-fifth of your revenue being knocked out um, in this one move. So you can see why investors were pretty were pretty scared when they heard about this. All right, so next let's take a look at revenue breakdown. Right now, first we're gonna see the physical year. Uh, we're just gonna be looking at, at annual revenue. So just to put in perspective, right now, the company just reported quarter two earnings of 2020. So we have yet to see the full effect of 2020. So right now we're only going to be taking a look at physical year of 2019, which ended in September 30th. So a few days before the zero, the zero fee commission later on through the slides, we're actually going to take a look at quarter one and quarter two. But I think right now it's always good to see the bigger picture of things and pretty much just look at annual data for some time. So for the full year of 2019, TD Ameritrade made a total revenue of 6.02 billion dollars and we can see from this chart right here the one i'm probably blocking a bit that there has been let's see yep there has been a nice growth throughout tt's america throughout ameritrade's revenue 
And actually this chart right here up top, this is pretty much revenue growth. And this comparing the, the amount of revenue this company has grown compared to the same time last year. So for example, for the physical year of 2019, this company grew 10% compared to the physical year of 2018. 2018, they grew a huge percentage compared to 2017, but on average, this company seems to grow somewhere between the low single digits to about 10% um, since 2015. So now let's go back to talking about the physical year of 2019. The first segment is assets based revenues. And this was pretty much uh, a lot to do with banking revenue fees. And this makes up some, about 63.7% of the company's total revenue. The second segment is transaction based revenues. And this makes up about 33% of the total revenue for 2019. Now this one is actually pretty scary, right? This is 33%. And most of this comes from the fees from commission fees. So remember, we just dropped um, Ameritrade just dropped to zero commission fees. So this is going to take a big impact. This does make 33% of the total revenue, but not all of that revenue comes from commission fees. They're also they still have fees right now in options trading and different types of margins. So at the moment, like the CEO um, CFO said that it should only affect about 15 to 16% of total revenue. The final segment is other revenues, which makes up a mere 3% of total revenue. And this right here is other revenue is just little things where they make money here and there. And as you can see, it does not make a big impact. So they can't really put this in a in a separate segment so they have it as other revenue all right so i took myself out of this slide shot just because i was blocking some of the charts but now let's take a look at this company's future growth versus competitors so first we have three images right here the top image is analyst expectations for td ameritrade the one in the middle is analyst expectations for e-trade and the one in the bottom is analyst expectations of earnings per share for charles schwab's so we're taking a look at their ex expectations for the next two years. One thing we can see is all these three companies are pretty much singing, their curves are pretty much singing the same song. They're all gonna see a decline in earnings per share for the next two years. And this is to be expected if this company is now collecting less revenue from, from commission fees. All right, so now let's take a look at this company's expense. So for quarter one of 2020, this company had a total operating expense of $770 million. And over 65% of the total expense actually comes from just three items. The first one is employees compensation and benefits. And this is actually a mix up close to 40% of the total expense. And this is pretty self-explanatory, right? This is the money they have to pay their employees and all the benefits get it from there. The second is professional services. Professional services is $97 million out of that $770 million. And professional service, this is the cost for paying for outside work. So this is, for example, if they need to talk to some lawyers, if some of their computers broke and their IT business can't fix it, then they go to some outside IT, um, IT company or computer services that comes and builds and builds it. So any outside work that this company needs that it can't provide goes to professional services. And the third one is advertising cost. Advertising cost makes up 80 million of that 770. So a little bit over a 10% still comes from advertising. And again, this is pretty, pretty self-explanatory, but I do think it is pretty important and pretty impressive that these three, which I think are very vital parts of a business, make up the three most, uh, make up over 65% of total expense. 
All right, next, let's take a look at this company's margins. So we're going to take a look at both gross margins and profit margin. First, we have the top one is gross margins and gross margins seems to be super amazing. It has a gross margin of 95%. And you go, hey, Jose, how does this company have such crazy amount of gross margins? Well, most financial institutions usually have a very high gross of margins. Same with a lot of software companies. The main reason is they don't have the cost of materials. They don't have to use money on shipping and actually producing mass producing items and buying raw inventory. Like for example, like for example, Coca-Cola, right? They have to buy the fluids. They have to buy bottles. They have to buy all these other types of materials where companies like this, once the software is created and once their website and all their other items are created, they don't have to keep recreating it. So most financial institutions and software companies have a very high gross margins. The most important one to actually take a look at is this company's cop, um, profit margins. And that's the bottom chart, which is in green. And here we actually include quarter one of 2020. And we can see even quarter one of 2020, this company is still producing close to its average in profit margins. And here the profit margins usually range between the mid 20s to the low 30s. And it does seem in quarter one of 2020, which again was what first quarter affected by this company's total um by this company's move to zero commission still made close to about 29 percent um in profit margins so we can see even with that loss this company is still percentage-wise collecting about the same amount of profits all right so now we're going to take a look at this company's balance sheet and this is taking a look at march 31st of 2020 so this is their most recent earnings of quarter two of 2020. So total assets for this company equated to about $51 billion at the end of this quarter. And this was an increase of about $6.3 billion compared to just six months ago. Total liabilities for this company equal to $41.8 billion. Most of that total liabilities is client payables. The other big portion of this company's total liabilities come from long-term debt. And long-term debt is the one I usually focus on seeing to see when does this money actually need to be paid off and how much money this company needs to pay be paid off. Out of about that $5 billion of long-term debt and other borrowings, this company um, has about $3.6 billion of senior notes. And it is actually pretty impressive how low some of these interests and in these actually all the interest in these senior notes are. We can see this company has about a 3% due on 2020, 3.75% due on 2024, 3.625% due on 2025, 3.3% due in 2027, and a 2.75% due in 2029. Over 75% of this, of this company's total senior notes are not due till after 2024 and we can see most of them all of them have less than a four percent interest rates so it's actually pretty cheap money and that actually tells me that this company company in theory has enough cash and cash equivalents to pay off any debt that is coming its way anytime soon and that's usually and that's a good plus especially at a time like this for any company next let's take a look at this company's shareholder return td ameritrade has had a, a strong return to its shareholders in form of both stock buybacks and dividends. In the, past, in the past six years, this company has paid a stable dividend with most years seeing an increase compared to a year prior. 
Next, if we want to take a look at this company's buyback program, which is the orange, and this is money purchased or issuance of equity shares. On average, this company is constantly buying back its shares. There has only been one year in the past five, six years that this company actually issued more shares than it bought back. And just in this past year, this company bought a huge amount of share buyback. But in the most recent quarter earnings, which happened this April 2020, um, this company announced that it will continue to pay a dividend. But due to an agreement with the acquisitions of Charles Schwab, the company has stopped any, any stock buyback programs at the moment. All right, so next, let's take a look at this company's future valuation. If we first take a look at the bottom graph, um, the bar graph, that's pretty much Ameritrade's historical P.E. ratio after every quarter. In every quarter, this company seems to have a P.E. ratio close to 20. There has been an outlier this past fiscal year of 2019 because when the quarter ended, um, when they reported during that time, there was a huge drop in the stock price because of that zero fee commission which took a huge a huge hit into the stock price so when that happened this company had a, a price to earnings ratio of 11.7 which is a lot cheaper than what this company's historical pe ratio was the company currently has a stock price of 36 dollars and 72 cents if we take a look at this company's um expectations it was for fiscal year of 2021 this company was expected to make a dollar and 92 cents and that's what analysts expected. If we take a look at this company's $1.92 expectation, this company actually has a forward PE ratio of 19.125. And the way you do that is you do that $36.72 divided by that $1.70, whatever, 76 cents, I already forgot that this company was gonna make, and it gives you a 19.1254 PE ratio. And that's actually pretty in line with what this company's historical PE ratio has been. And to me, that tells me one thing that the market right now does not care about the revenue it's, it's been collecting, it's, it's, it's pricing itself for the revenue, it's, um, the earnings per share is expected to make in the future. And as we can see with the forward PE ratio of 19.125, this company seems to be fairly priced with compared to historical data. So I hope you guys enjoyed this presentation. Again, I just want to take, uh, I just want to thank Drew for providing us with a lot of information and for letting me just do this video. It was a lot easier um, to do it um, this way. And to the teacher, again, I hope you don't mind that I actually end up creating an episode of this. And to my viewers, I know this was a bit different to my normal videos, but I hope you guys enjoy it all the same. And like always, take care, guys. Have a good night and good luck to all the other presentations that are going. I know there's about four or five more groups and I can't wait to see what the other presentations are about. So take care and see you next time.